0: Let me just kind of give you a little big picture. The big picture as we prepare to hear the word of God today is that God has called us as a church family to do four things. If you remember what they are, we're called to what? Gather. This is the call of God on our life, not just here, but in home groups and and, and and uh Bible study groups. This past uh Wednesday a week ago we finished out I think it was a seven week series uh of of small groups here at the church, uh and we gathered together and we fellowshiped together and we broke bread together. How many of you know that's spiritual? Read Acts chapter two. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine, the breaking of bread. Somebody say amen. And prayer. And so it was a great time. We're called together. I to say we're called together. And the second thing is we're called to grow. Say that, we're called to grow, grow spiritually. When you look at the first century church, they not only did they grow numerically, but they were growing spiritually. They were hearing the word of God and spiritual growth was taking place. And then thirdly, we're called to give. Everyone say, we're called to give. We're called to give not only of our resources, but of our life and everything that we have. We are natural, we should be, after we're born again, natural born givers. If you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to be a giver, okay? And then the fourth thing is we're called to go. Now, go out into the, all the world. That's the great commission. And in fact, I'm looking towards the first of the year, uh, with a series that has this, this top, uh, the, the, the grace to go. The God's call on us to reach out beyond these four walls and reach be out beyond the four walls of our home and make an influence and a difference in the earth. And so we'll be talking about that more. So that's why we've been here for the last four weeks talking about the grace and giving God's way, breaking free from the spirit of stingy. How many of you grew up in in, in, in in your natural life, and especially if you had brothers and sisters, there there seemed to be a spirit of stingy in your life, in your family. I mean, man, if that's not mine, that's not yours, that's mine. Are you the only one? I'm the only one. And so we got to break that off of our life. Uh, and so that's what we've been talking about. We talked about the right motives to give God's way. We talked about the right mindset to give God's way. You got to think the way God thinks. In fact, there's a lot there that you and I could go back and rehearse and review. And then the right methodology, there's a way and a means and a plan for God to, uh, for us to be givers in the house of God and in the family of God and in the world around us. And today I want to close out with this thought, the miracle of giving God's way. How many of you know when you give the way God would want you to give with the right heart, with the right motives, with the right mindset, there's a miracle that begins to take place. Amen. That's called the we've been talking about the right stuff. Here it is. The right motive, the right mindset the right methodology, those three things work together to produce what we're going to talk about today, the miracle of giving. There's a miracle that takes place when you begin to put these things together. And I don't have time to go back through a lot of them, but you know, the right motives just quickly, the love of God, God, so what the world that he did, what he gave. that's the motivation we ought to have. It's not out of greed or out of need. Some people, you know, I've said this before, if you have a need, sow a seed. But that shouldn't be the motivation of our life. Uh, We should be natural-born givers as we are born again. And then there's all kinds of other motivations that are biblical that we looked at. And then the right mindset. We give God's way. We give selflessly, worshipfully, and all those things. And then the methodology. Anyone remember the basically the three biblical methodologies of giving? They're the, it's the tithe, it's the alms gift, and the offering. Those things we talked about last week. Today, we want to talk about the miracle. When you put these things together, <coughs> miracles start taking place. How many of you have prayed that God would do miracles in your life? And now let's be honest. How many of you have prayed that God would do financial miracles in your life? Amen. I know some of you, when that when that lotto got up to one point something billion dollars, you bought your ticket and said, Oh, Jesus. How many of you know we can't put our faith in the in the lotto? We've got to put our faith in the word of God. Somebody say amen. And so it's miraculous. It's what the Bible calls. And this is a this is what God began from the beginning of time. It's what the Bible calls seed time and harvest. Everyone say seed time? and harvest. In fact, you go back to Genesis eight, you don't need to, you can write this down. Genesis eight, when Noah, when, when God blessed Noah and the, and the, and, and, and the flood ha- came and all that happened. And then the flood waters receded. God said this, there's something I'm establishing here today. It's, it's seed time and harvest. In other words, this is a methodology that God put together, not just for uh, you know, plants and, and things and even animals, uh, but God planned this throughout the, the 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 universe for us from a spiritual standpoint. And we'll see that today when we look at other scriptures. But this it's it's all throughout the Word of God. How many of you have your Bible today? I'm going to quickly go through some passages of Scripture. I want you to just see them. Look over in Proverbs 11. Go to Proverbs 11 with me. Let's look at Proverbs just for a second. I'm going to do this fast. How many of you believe I can do it fast? Proverbs 11... I can't if I can't get there. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture when it comes to sowing seed. It says this in verse 24. There is one who scatters. Now watch the miraculous thought about this. There's one who scatters yet increases more. Now that's miraculous in and of itself. He's talking about the sowing of seed in reality. And there is one who with withholds more than right, but it leads to what? Somebody say poverty. This is a financial principle. He goes on to say the generous soul will be made what? Rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. So we see this miraculous insight, the miracle of giving God's way. There's one who scatters yet increases the more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. How many of you know if a farmer held on to all his seed, he would starve to death in a hurry? He would go financially bankrupt in a hurry if he held on to all his seeds. So he knows that if you don't sow, the harvest does not come. He also realizes there is certainly, if I do all the things that I can do, it's still miraculous. How many of you know the farmer has to rely upon God to rain down upon the seed and the sun to rain down? It's all miraculous. Tell somebody it's a miraculous thing. It really is. And then... If you go to 2 Corinthians 9, you know we looked at that already. And Paul uses this illustration of sowing and reaping. Uh, and he uses it from a financial standpoint. And he says, hey, listen, there's a miraculous element here. I want to show it to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you may have all sufficiency in all things and may have an abundance for every good work. Now, what's Paul saying? Where does this sufficiency come from? From God. Look down in verse 10. Now may he, with a big H, who supplies seed to the sower. Who's the supplier of seed? God is the supplier of seed. He gives us seed to sow and bread for food. May he supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. What's Paul saying? This is a miraculous thing. Everybody say amen. So you and I need to embrace that understanding that God's plan, the miracle of giving, it, it is miraculous, this system and methodology of seed time and harvest that God has given us. And he says he gives seed to the sower. And then if you went on to Galatians Paul uses this even in a broader application, this principle of sowing and reaping, because it works across the board. It says this in chapter 6, do not be deceived, verse 7, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that will he also what? Reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Then he goes on to say, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall what? Reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Everyone say it's miraculous. It is a miraculous thing that God has put together this thing called sowing and reaping, and the and the and the methodology that God has to bring blessing to His people. So we continue to be a blessing to the world around us. Now, let me just give you some quicky uh, some seed sowing principles. These are little bullet points, just kind of help you get in the vein here. Number one, the seed determines the harvest. How many of you know if you sow mustard seed, you're not going to get grapes, right? What are you going to get? More mustard. If you sow tomato seeds, You're not going to get okra, right? Do we need to embrace this truth? It's really true. And Paul is using this sowing and reaping illustration in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 in reference to our money. So catch that understanding. I had a guy tell me one time, one of the servants in our church back in Quitman, uh, he said, you know, pastor, I just sow my time. I said, well, what are you getting from that? Because if you just sow your time, Thank God for your time, but what you're going to get is more time to sow, more time, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, and, and, And so whatever you sow that you reap, the seed that you sow determines the harvest. If you sow, as Paul said to the flesh, what are you going to receive? You're going to receive corruption. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to receive corruption. Number two, the seed is for sowing. Everyone say the seed is for sowing. Understand, he gives us seed. In fact, that's what 2 Corinthians says. Now may he who supplies seed, not to the partaker, but seed to the who? The sower. And so get this down. Understand this. When the blessings of God come in your life, there's there's blessings that that are considered by God as seed that need to be sown. All right? Number three, the seed must be sown in order for the harvest to be reaped. Hello? You never see a farmer holding all his seed and just saying, Jesus, I thank you for the miracle of provision. No, he, he doesn't pray. That would, be, that would be ludicrous for him to hold all his seed and then pray for a harvest. He has to actually release his seed into the ground. He has to sow his seed in order for the harvest to be reaped. Uh, and then here's another one. The amount of, the amount of seed sown determines the amount of harvest reaped. It's proportional. In fact, if you go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he says, if you sow liberally, you're going to what? Reap lip If you sow, uh, you know, uh, sparingly, and that's why we call this series Breaking Free from the Spirit of Stingy. Uh, uh, everybody say, come out in Jesus' name. <laughs> that spirit of stingy, come on. Hey. It's commensurate, it's proportional. The amount of seed you sow determines the amount of harvest reap. That's a biblical principle. Another one, the seed sown is in the right soil always produces a multiplied harvest. Now we're gonna show you this in just a minute, give you some quick biblical examples. But when you sow in the right soil, You remember the parable of the seed and the soils? It's talking about the Word of God, not about resources. But the principle is the same. There's different kinds of soil, correct? There's good soil, bad soil, rocky soil, fertile soil, so on and so forth. And what God is saying is, man, our heart is the soil, and our heart needs to be ready to receive the Word of God, and you need the right kind of soil. It's the same when we sow into the kingdom of God. It's got to be good soil. Everyone say good soil. Here's another one. The seed's value is only realized when it's sown. The seed's value, it's, it's of no value. In fact, what'll it do? It'll just sit there. It will not multiply. It's only, only value. And in fact, you could, I could give all my seed to Josh, and if he didn't sow all the seed, it'd still just be, what, what value has it? It's only really produces value when it's sown into the ground. The seed's value is only realized when it's sown. Here's another one. The seeds are sown in different seasons than they are the, than the harvest. How many of you know, and if, this is just my little fault, if you're always sowing seeds, guess what? It always is it'll be harvest time. And some of the seed you sow, you've you sown, you know, last year or six months ago or whatever, they, they, who knows how long it takes them to come to fruition, but God watches over the seed. And so there's different seasons. There's a season to sow. There's a season to reap. That's what Genesis 8 was all about. There's a seed time, and then there's a harvest time. You read the Old Testament, man, there's all kinds of cool things about harvest and about this time of uh, of reaping the harvest and so. but they're different seasons. And that's why we as God's people need to persevere when it comes to the sowing of seed because harvest will come. Everyone say that, harvest will come. If you go back to Galatians 6, what did he say? He said, don't grow weary in this process of sowing and reaping. Don't grow weary uh, while you're doing good for in due season you shall reap if you do not faint. Someone told me one time, they said, Pastor, I'm gonna try this tithing for a while. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna tithe this week and see if it really works. How many of you know uh, that, that's... Uh, how does that work? And I'm going to try. Well, I can't give you much. Help. I'm going to try this and see if it works. How many of you know? You just got to yield to the word of God. And say, can you imagine a farmer saying, "I'm going to try this this week. I'm going to sow my, a few seeds this week. And if if there's not a harvest in a couple of days, then then I'm giving up on this. How many of you know a farmer has to be more patient and persevering? He has to have confidence in the harvest. And so it, it, it's 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 seasonal. Sometimes it seems we're in a season of great harvest. Sometimes it's a season of, of, of sowing, but hey, it's seasonal. And so catch that understanding. Let me tell you one thought about the sower here, and then we'll move on to some other thoughts. The sower must trust the God-given methodology in order for the miracle of multiplication to be made manifest. you got to trust the methodology of God. You cannot trust God when it comes to the methodology. When he said, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. What's he saying? you got to trust me here. You can trust me. Everyone say, I can trust him. And so the sower must trust the God who created this, this miraculous insight into the blessings of God, this sowing and reaping, this, this uh, uh, seed time and harvest. The promises of God are so real. Let me give you some. Proverbs chapter 3, we've already read it before, but I'm just going to go through. I hope you have your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 3 says this concerning uh, the first fruits. He says this in verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. How many of you know that's a miracle? that's the provision of God. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of your increase and God's miracles that I'll make sure your barns are filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. And then I've already quoted it, but Malachi chapter three, verse 10, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith saith the Lord. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven. Wouldn't you like to tap into the windows of heaven? See if I'll not open the windows of heaven. I like that. Heaven's windows open up when we began to Give with the methodology that God has given us with the right heart and the right motivation. Bring all the tithes into the store. Prove me now, I say the Lord. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much so, and I have not arrived here, I don't think, so much so that you cannot contain it. Woo! How many of you would appreciate some of that? That's the promise of God. And then what did Jesus say in Luke chapter 6? Jesus said this. And let me just say, let me throw this out in case you're at this point where you say, oh, pastor, come on now. Uh, Did you know Jesus talked more about money and resources than he did heaven and hell combined? Did y'all catch that? Jesus talked more about money and your resources than he did heaven and hell combined. Does it mean heaven and hell are not important? No, it means that God's looking at us and here's the principle. He's looking at how we handle the natural things so he can trust us with the spiritual things. That's a biblical principle. And here's what Jesus said. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall people or men given to your bosom. So the promises of God are there, but we've got to trust the promises. See, as a sower, you've got to trust God. You've got to trust Him when it comes to the seed you sow and trust Him that, that this methodology and this right heart and this right motive and this right mindset and this right methodology will all conspire together for a multiplication of resources so we can be a greater blessing to the body of Christ and the people around the world who desperately need our support. Old Testament examples of this miracle of giving. I love these. In fact, I was so tempted to to just say, I'm preaching on that one this Sunday and this one the next Sunday, but let me throw them out to you. You got to catch these. They're all in Kings. First Kings chapter 17, it's Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. If you go over there, these stories are amazing stories of God's supernatural provision and the miracle of multiplication when it, comes to God's, uh, uh, to to this principle. First Kings 17 verse eight says this. It talks about the widow and the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon and dwell there. See, this is what God told Elijah. I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Not a, not the King, not the, not the priest, not the banker, not the government, a widow. I've commanded a widow to take care of you. And, and he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I'm telling you, this woman was in the low pit financially. And Elijah said this, Something profoundly opposite of what you and I might think. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as I have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, I love this, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her her household uh, ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. Somebody say amen. I love that story. He says, you sow a seed. You've got a need, hey, the way you need to uh, break through to the to the multiplication miracle is that be willing to sow and sow with a right heart. She did. The Bible says she obeyed the word of the Lord. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 4. Go to 2 Kings. I love this one. 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha and the widow's oil. A certain woman of wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that the servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming. Everybody say, The creditor is coming. Have you ever had, come on, I said everybody say it. The creditor is coming. (laughs) My wife's the only obedient one. Or or was it my daughter? Uh, Everybody say say it out loud. You don't have to say it in a high voice. Everyone say, the creditor is coming. Man, she's saying the creditor's coming. You ever had those calls? Hello? Oh, no, he's not here. The creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil then he said go borrow vessels from everywhere from all of your neighbors empty vessels do not gather just a few and when you have come in you shall shut the door behind you and your sons then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son bring me another vessel and he said to her there is not another vessel so the oil ceased did you get that miracle she had one thing of oil they brought vessels from all they could places they could find different colors shapes and forms and that vessel of oil did not run dry until they ran out of vessels and it says then another there is not another vessel so the oil ceased then she came and told the man of god and he said go sell the oil and pay your debt and your sons shall live on the rest somebody say amen How many of you believe that's miraculous? There's two miraculous Old Testament illustrations of this principle of sowing and reaping. And it is a multiplication miracle. Here's another one right there next to that one in 2 Kings chapter 4. It's a little different, but certainly applies. The Shunammite woman, she was a notable woman. And she said to her husband, she said, you know, Elisha, the man of God, I want to make him a place to stay when he comes. And so she did. She made what some call a prophet's quarters. And And when he would come through town, they would take care of him. She sowed into his life. And Elisha told the, uh, Gehazi, his servant, said, go ask her what she wants me to do. I want to, I want to bless her back. And, and so the story goes, she says, well, I, I, I've never had a child. I'm barren. I want to have a child. And so, uh, so the prophet, uh, the word came back, this time next year, you'll have a son. And th- the miracle happened. How many of you know that's a great miracle from you bless the, the, the things of God and God blesses you back. There's that principle of sowing and reaping. But then it seems to turn sour because what happened? The son died. And if I had time, we could go through that story. She went for the man of God, and and, and uh, they sent for him to come because the son had died, and so they went and found him. They asked how she's doing, it. and she made this confession. It is well, even though her son had died. But the man of God came back, and what did he do? He raised her son from the dead. Those are some supernatural miracles when you're willing to sow and give God's way. And then you go to the New Testament. Man, there's at least two. Both of them are kind of the same, but they're different. Matthew 15, verse 32 through 38, the feeding of the 4,000. 4,000 people, not just 4,000 people, 4,000 men and then the women and the children. For every man, what do you think? At least one, two kids and a wife, you know, so there's three. Do the math. Four times just two, that's eight, but it's probably four times three. Uh, so 12,000 people were miraculously fed by seven loaves, pardon me, seven fishes and some loaves. A miracle in the New Testament. And then John 6, the feeding of the 5,000, the little boy's lunch. He gave up his lunch. He sowed his lunch and Jesus did it again. He fed 5,000 and then I think when they took up all the scraps, there were 12 baskets left of the resources. Those are miracles of multiplication that happen when we, as God's people, give God's way. Amen. I love what John Lawrence said in his book, Life's Choices. He said, if you want to be rich, give. If you want to be poor, grasp. If you want abundance, scatter. If you want to be needy, hoard. He said, the world's philosophy... That of man's wisdom is typically just the opposite. It can best be described as get all you can, can all you get, then sit on the can. You know anybody just sits on... Oh, pardon me, I don't want to go there. And so with that in mind today, it's miraculous. You, need, you and I need to embrace the miracles of God in every area of our life. Financial miracles, healing miracles... God's a God of miracles. Amen? And not to make it... uh, Let me just give you... I just put this this way. You can say it in a different way. Let me give you a biblical equation because uh, God's a God of multiplication. That's a math term. Let's just say it this way. The right motive plus the right mindset plus the right methodology equals the miracle of multiplication. Now, you can test that for me. I'm pretty positive about that. But you get your heart right. You get your motives right. You get your thinking right. And we've already talked about all that. And then you began to give correctly under the methodology that God would have you to give there's a miracle that takes place. It's called the miracle of multiplication in our life. God wants to bless you today, not just financially, but in ways that money cannot buy. How many, how many parents do we have here today? How many grandparents do we have today? How many? Any great-grandparents? Oh, we still got some great-grandparents. Any great-great-grandparents? Oh, we're just great-grandparents. Listen, I'm a, I'm a grandparent. And I just look at my grandkids and my kids. And I say, I have been blessed in ways and means that money cannot buy. Amen. And so God wants to bless us. Why does he want to bless you? Let, let's just think out loud. Let's just talk out loud. Let me see. I, I got a, I got a second here. Why does God want to bless you today? Somebody. Yes. So you can be a blessing. Listen, you can't give what you do not have. And have me be, And we get it backwards. I, you, I've told you this. Lord, when you bless me, I'll bless somebody. It's the wrong way. It, it, it's you bless somebody and I'll bless you. Amen. You don't reap before you sow. Are you with me? And so you can be a blessing. How many would love to be a greater blessing in the earth? Can I just talk out loud for a second? I have pastors and friends all over the nation and around the world. I love. To, I would love to be a blessing to them. I would love. If, hey, if we were just shooting for the stars today, I would love to be the administrator of a fund that its sole purpose is to bless local churches and pay off buildings and bless pastors who have sown their whole life into the kingdom and don't. Have have any retirement i'd love to do that i'd love to go around like you know i don't know there used to be a tv show about that but i'd love to just go around to pastors and say how much you're building do you own your bill all this okay here we go let's let's get that de- de- wouldn't, they- wouldn't you love to be able to do things like that to be a blessing how many of you want to be a greater blessing in 2019 that's what i want to be i don't want to be in line waiting for a blessing i want to be in the line giving the blessing amen it's another reason god wants to bless us anybody that's a pretty good one, by the way, John. Pardon me? Because he loves you. I love to bless my kids and my grandkids. Now, Beverly and I are getting old enough for our kids to start blessing us back. Amen. Hallelujah. They gave him grandkids. Amen. Any other thoughts why God wants to bless you? I got one just popped in my head. How about a testimony to a world that doubts God? You can testify. Look what God has done. God wants to bless his kids. He wants to bless us. We've got to just learn to have the right motive and the right mindset, the right methodology. And, and, And let me just throw it all out, what the Bible says about giving. That's the principle that He gave us. Now, a bigger picture. God put us on this earth not just to be a blessing financially, but to bless the world that so desperately needs Christ. These little Haiti presents that we're sending, blessing little children. In fact, uh, Trish, go get me one of those bags out there. We're going to pray for those kiddos because we're going to send them I wish I should have put them all here. That would have been cool, but I didn't do it. I'm a little slow. Let's stand up together. This next week, we're going to have a hand in blessing little Haitian kiddos who may not have any kind of Christmas. This bag represents maybe, I don't know. Thank you, Trish. Maybe all that a child in Haiti will get for Christmas. In fact, I'm tempted to peek in there. Like Christmas time. Let's pray for them. Because, see, it's not just the stuff, it's the spirit. See, Lord Jesus, this represents a little boy or a little girl in Haiti. Lord, today as we give, we don't do it just to be blessed, we do it to be a blessing. But we also know there's a miracle that comes when we give your way. And we embrace the miracle. We don't deny the miracle. Lord, we don't, we don't resist the miracle. Maybe because of, because of some bad press or unholy preaching about giving and receiving. Lord God, we, just because there's been bad preaching, Lord, doesn't mean that your word is not true. And so, Lord, today as we give, Lord, and as we continue to give your way, we thank you for the miracle of supernatural supply. Not only coming back to us, but Lord, coming through us to a world that so desperately needs Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, you can be born again. You can be set free, as we sang a few minutes ago. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I know we talked about giving, but you know what? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. that Whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're just not sure, if you died today, you'd go to heaven and say, pray for me, pastor. Just lift your hand wherever you are. I want to pray for you. Help you walk right into the presence of God. I see that hand, young man. We're all going to pray out loud together. Isn't that a miracle? People here want to be born again. Let's all lift our hands together with this one that raised his hand. Let's pray out loud together. Everyone say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, paying for my sin with your own blood. I believe you did it just for me, Lord, and that you not only died for me, but you rose again the third day so I could have a new life too. I invite you to be the Lord and the leader of my life and cleanse me from my sin by the power of your blood. From this day forward, I will endeavor to serve you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah.